Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Today is August 19th, 2019. That means we are full-blown into fantasy football draft season. And you know what? That also means that me and Harley are back for another season to bring you the Blitzed Podcast. My friend, how have you been? You know, life here is good. But before we move any further, I, I should make perfectly clear to all of our listeners that today is August 19th in 2019, which means that exactly 45 years ago, a young drunken sot like myself was brought into this earth. Oh, are you serious? Happy birthday. Today is my 45th birthday. Happy birthday. And you know what? You'll be 45th in a day by the time people hear this because it'll, it won't be August 19th anymore, but happy birthday. Happy, seriously, happy, happy birthday. Thank Um, you. I had one of those this year, but I'm well past 50 now, so nothing special. But my wife had a big one this year, too. What year is for her? Or do you want to say? Or would you probably, be in trouble if you said? I probably shouldn't say. But she turned 50 in June, and we went on a little um, cross-country road trip. from Basically, we left Virginia, drove to California, which was our end destination. But we made two stops. Three stops, actually. I'm sorry. Let's see if I can get this right. We stopped in Tennessee after driving about 10 hours the first night. Then we stopped in El Paso the next day, long enough to sleep and then drive again. And then the third day, got to San Diego. Um, so that's all. it took us three days to get there. Then we spent a day in San Diego, up to L.A., Beverly Hills area. Then we went to San Francisco, back down to Pebble Beach, um, out to the Grand Canyon, down to Tucson, not Tucson, down to Albuquerque, and then Santa Fe, and then a two-day trip back from Albuquerque. You know, I feel like I should have had queued up like a seven-second snippet of Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. I mean, did you stop and visit Wally World while you were out there? You know, we didn't. We we probably should have, but we didn't. And then, you know, we get back. It was a two-week trip, um, 16 days, I think, total. And we get back, and then I think two weeks later, we had to go to New York for the Flex Draft. And I told my wife, I said, you know, we're really jet-setting this summer. We've been to... You know, L.A., San Francisco, and New York in a matter of four weeks, basically. That sounds like quite a fun trip. Uh, now, I, I don't have anything quite that fun planned, but uh, I am planning a small trip here in about two weeks. My wife and I are moving into a condo in the Minneapolis suburb of St. Louis Park. So we're actually downsizing out of our house into a little smaller space. Uh, it's going to ultimately uh, make it a little easier for us to deal with the fact that we're growing older. You know, that's I'm in my forever house until we're ready to retire because then I'm not I'm selling. I'm not cutting grass anymore. I'm gonna downsize because of that exact reason. Yeah. Just got so sick of it this year, Leah. The winter up here in Minnesota was atrocious this past season. Uh we had one day uh February first of this year where the wind chill temperature was negative sixty degrees. Ouch. Ouch. That's really exactly. Awesome. So maybe we can take the ouch out of draft season for our listeners this year. But before we do that, 
we've got to do something that we do every episode, and that is I need to throw it over to you, Mr. Harley Schultz, for this week's first of 2019's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Antonio Brown, who is also dealing with issues relating to frostbite on his feet, finally returned to the Raiders' practice facility today following a series of kerfuffles with the league over his choice of helmets. The league refuses to let Brown wear his first choice since that helmet is more prone to causing head-based injuries. Perhaps Brown should take the league's advice and update his headgear since his recent behavior suggests that he has already damaged most of his brain cells. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott's agent took offense when Jerry Jones used the quip, Zeke who, over the weekend. When he realized that his comment was being taken negatively by Elliott and his team, Jones quickly came out and said, Ah, nah, I wasn't talking about our running back Elliott. I was simply listing two of my favorite bands, Zeke, and the Who. <laughs> Former Chicago Bears and Cincinnati Bengals running back Cedric Benson died in a motorcycle accident in Texas over the weekend. Benson, who had been out of football since 2012, was 36 years of age. During and after his career, Benson had several run-ins with law enforcement, including multiple charges for operating a vehicle under the influence, resisting arrest, and assault. A female riding with Benson also was pronounced dead, and two of the passengers in the other vehicle suffered injuries. At this time, we do not have information as to if alcohol was a factor in the accident. Either way, let this be a sobering reminder to all fantasy football fans out there, drink responsibly. If you have too much to drink at your draft, be sure to call a cab, an Uber, or have a designated driver pick you up. Also, Draft responsibly. If you drink too much on draft day, you may end up inadvertently drafting a stiff like Benson as your running back number one. Indianapolis Colts management revealed that Andrew Luck is dealing with a high ankle injury in addition to his previous calf injury. These injuries will keep Luck out the entirety of this preseason. The Colts, who have buried the lead on Luck injuries previously, are swearing up and down that luck will be ready for week one. Based on this report, the BPN News Assignment Desk can confirm that luck will in fact return for week one of the 2020 season. <laughs> and finally, Josh Gordon was once again reinstated into the league, which means by the time tonight's episode actually airs, he will likely be suspended again. This has been your BPN News Update. So I have a couple of notes. I just have to ask, is a kerfuffle something like a kafefe? Uh Possibly, yes. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm not going to touch the said Ben thing um, other than to say, that's why we say, get blitzed responsibly. Um, and then Andrew Luck. So it was a calf injury was what was announced initially, right? Then, yes. Greg, then Gregson comes out, and I believe what he said was, quote, a small bone issue in the calf. Now, I have a question for you. I'm not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm not sure if you did or not. But what bone is in the calf that is small? Uh, yeah, exactly. 
Okay. And and how does a bone in the calf end up a high ankle sprain? Yeah, that's another good question. <laughs> and then something I think that we should maybe give our listeners before we get started. Um, we didn't even give them a list. Give them a listen. Give them a lead in as to what we're going to be talking about tonight. But we're going to give our top ten wide receivers and top ten tight ends tonight. Um, but one of the things to point out, let's let's talk some football lingo real quick and how to read through that. A high ankle sprain is basically a break, correct? It's a, uh, it's a, it okay. is, it's a fracture. <laughs> it's, it's a fracture of the high ankle and there are grades and levels to it from what I understand. All the, I know is it's very painful. Right. Because it's a break um, in the bone, basically. So, you know, when they say high ankle sprain, People might think that it's okay, it's tough, it's high ankle, whatever. But if you go look at it, I do believe, I'm pretty sure, and maybe if not, I'm sure we'll get pounded on Twitter, um, but it is a crack or break in the ankle of some sort. Then the other one that I hate hearing people say, because people always look at it and think, oh, I can't believe he's not playing through that, turf toe. Oh, no, oh, that, that, that's, yeah, that's really painful. Right, can you tell people what it is? Uh, basically, it's just, torn tendons in between your actual toes to the point where it's like you can't put any pressure at all on i mean it, it's arguably the second most painful thing that can someone can have happen to their foot behind plantar fasciitis exactly and i'm glad you brought plantar fasciitis because that'll play into later but also i treat when i hear turf toe i treat it like the player has a broken toe yeah well, I mean, for anyone that uh, might have, like, uh, again, as we get older, our bodies start to deteriorate some, uh, maybe maybe have a little neuropathy in your feet or something like that. You, you envision yourself running down the hall and it starts to hurt a little bit, uh, or maybe just a little arthritis. Uh, imagine each of those things times about 10. Yeah. If not and, you're wearing, and you're wearing, like, hard-toed cleats. Why are you doing it? I'm just trying to imagine putting all of your weight on it to cut back against your body or something of the, that sort, because that's what football players do. Plant exactly. and go, right? I don't care if you're playing the line. I don't care if you're catching a pass, running the ball. You're planting a foot at some point and pushing off with all of your body weight. Um, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. So when you hear that people are suffering from those things, don't take them lightly. Um, there are issues that take time to heal. So... With that said, are you ready to jump into this? Exactly. So what we're going to do is we're going to give people our top 10 ranked wide receivers, and then we'll follow up with our finish up with our top 10 tight ends. And then we're going to talk a little Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl was a lot of fun this year, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start off with the wide receiver position. Uh, we, we normally, you'd think when you're talking fantasy, we'd start off with quarterbacks and running backs, but... As we all know, uh, both uh, Steve and I like to ignore the quarterback position until the end. So that, we're going to ignore the quarterback position until next week. And, and we're also doing that because we hope to have some more clarity on a couple of the running back holdouts that are going on. Exactly. All right. So, um, you know, one of the things I thought about doing instead of a top 10 ranking, but I won't throw it at you this way, was saying instead of let's giving our top 10, give our top 10 targets something to think about for next year. Our top 10 targets at the position don't necessarily have to be the guys that are ranked one through 10, because you might love somebody that's in round 10. That's a target that you're trying to get in every draft. So something to think about. Exactly. Give, give me all the Robbie Anderson. Give me all the uh, Robert Foster, despite the fact he's seeing second team reps this year. 
so far. Um, give me all of the oh boy, now, now I'm at a loss for a, a third wide receiver deep sleeper that I really really like. Yeah, Trey Quinn. Uh, uh, oh, Trey Quinn. Yeah. Um, Trent Turner. Trent Turner. Deshaun Jackson this Trent, year. Trent. Why, why do I call him Trent? Is it Trent Turner? Yeah, it is Trent Turner, right? Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor. Yeah, I don't know why I'm saying Turner. Trent Taylor. All, again, in, in Taylor's case too, it's like he's been he's been named the starter, but he's hurt right now. He's hurt right now. They've got Debo. They've got Pettis. They've got Goodwin still on the roster. Yeah. But people like lists, so we're going to give them lists, and we're going to give them our top ten, and we might even squeak a couple in extra. So do you want to see? Exactly. Want to go ahead and guess how many we're going to have in the same spot? I am going to say that we have three in the same spot. Yeah, I was I was going to say three myself. I'll take. I'm going to take the under. How's that? Certainly possible. And for our listeners, they should understand this if they're new and if they're returning, they should already know this. We do not discuss any of this before we record. So I have no idea which way Harley's leaning, who he has at what position, who he likes, who he doesn't like, et cetera. So all of this is us kind of just walking up, starting our talk and going from there. So I'll let you give your top three. How's that? Definitely. And we should also let them know that, uh, at least for my ranking purposes, I, I used uh, standard scoring with PPR, yes, PPR. Uh, for wide receivers. And for the tight ends, I didn't do any performance scoring for tight ends. So it's, again, it's just standard scoring PPR when we get to the tight end position. Yep, I'm with you on that. PPR to me is standard. So let's let's go. Okay. Uh, one, two, and three for me at wide receiver. I think these three are pretty much interchangeable this year. Uh, number one, I have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, my big question mark with Hopkins is, Will having a healthy Will Fuller and Kiki Kute cut into his targets, or will it actually improve his ability because he'll have more freedom to roam? At number two, I have Devontae Adams. Now, TDs won't be a problem because Aaron Rodgers loves throwing the ball to Devontae Adams in the red zone. My biggest concern is, will a commitment to the running game in Green Bay cut into the number of targets that Adams gets? And third, Odell Beckham Jr., Mayfield threw a ton of touchdowns last season, despite not having a true, real, high-end wide receiver one. He's got that wide receiver one now, so I think Beckham is going to absolutely eat. Okay. So, of those, we have one that match. And that's Odell Beckham Jr. Interesting. So, I will now give my top four, since one of your guys falls into my four. How's that? Go for it. At number one, I have Julio Jones. And there's a few reasons for this. Is there a receiver in the game today, especially since Antonio Brown has moved on from the Steelers, that has a higher floor than Julio Jones? He has done it year in and year out without having a ton of touchdowns. So, you know what? Hopkins has that question that you said, so that's why I don't have him number one. I have him number two. I think Julio has the ability and the chance this year to make everybody go, that's the Julio we've been waiting for with 12-plus touchdowns, because if he gets 12-plus touchdowns, he is easily the number one wide receiver this year. As I said, I have DeAndre Hopkins number two, OBJ at three, and for the same exact reasons that you had Adams at two, I have him at four. Um, I think there could be some touchdown regression there. I have Adams at four. Well, it's not a big surprise, but Julio is actually my number four as well. Uh, The only reason I've got him ranked below the other three is because we've only really seen him 
be a touchdown machine for stretches of three or four games at a time. And yep. I mean, yes, he could easily, he, he's, he's made it a point that he wants to go out and come close, come, come close, come close to 2000 yards receiving. That would be very, very great. That means he's going to catch a lot of passes, but he's also got a second year developed Kelvin Ridley. Now there, uh, Austin Hooper was a target uh, hog last year as well, particularly in the red zone. The big question mark for me with Julio is, will he finally put together a season where he'll get all of those yardage, get all those receptions, and top double digits and touchdowns? And here's why I have him at number one, though. Because even if he doesn't, he still is going to be a top five wide receiver. He's got a extremely safe and capable quarterback. The offense, we know, is going to have firepower. There's no new moving parts or anything like that. Devontae Freeman's back, which should help open up some of the passing game. Passing game should open up some of the run game. And like I said, just the upside of the TDs there is what's alluring to me. And Hopkins has a quarterback that's playing behind a not-so-great offensive line. Um, The Falcons line may not be what it used to be, but it's still a, a strong line, I think. And with OBJ, my concern with him was health. I think he's in a fantastic spot. I wouldn't be shocked if OBJ finished the year as the number one wide receiver. But that's why I put him and Hopkins below Julio. One health, and the other was the question marks surrounding the offensive line and the other targets that are there. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead with my numbers five through seven then. Okay, sounds good. At five, I've got a guy who is now being paid as a premium wide receiver. He just needs to keep performing like one, and that's Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. At six, I've got a guy who possibly could have been out of football this offseason, but instead he's coming back and he's the most uncoverable freak athlete on the best offense in football. That's Tyreek Hill. And at number seven, I've got a guy who I've seen listed as high as number one overall at wide receiver this year by other uh, analysts on the internet. But personally, I think he's going to be pretty high. I've got him ranked at seven. Uh, He's been a stud historically in every single game that his former wide receiver running mate, Antonio Brown, has missed. That is Juju Smith-Schuster at seven for me. Okay. We are so tight on this tier, it's not even funny. I have Michael Thomas at five also. Um, He's severely, I think, underappreciated for some reason. Um, He, like Julio, has a little limitations on the touchdown side of things, but there's no fighting for target share there, even with the addition of Jared Cook. Um, I have Juju at six and Tyreek at seven, and the reason for that is Tyreek has a little more risk built into him because you don't know if something else that's going to rear its head and he does wind up getting suspended at some point. None of those, none of those issues about his character or any kind of history that could make him possibly lose time playing, I probably have him in top five. I don't have the numbers here in front of me right now. I probably should have made a note of them. But uh, people, go out there, uh, take a look at Juju Smith-Schuster's per-game averages in games that Antonio Brown did not play. It is absolutely absurd. There is no way that Deontay Johnson and James Washington are going to usurp uh, enough of that. Those two guys are both window-dressing to Juju. It's the Juju Smith-Schuster show this year in Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, okay, so now how about if I give – I'll round us out. I'll go 8, 9, and 10. Sounds good. Actually, I don't want to do that because I've got a guy at 8 that you're going to just go, nah, come on. I'll let you do. Go ahead. So right now we got one. Okay. We've got one. I'm on the under so far. Oh, we got we got two because we had Michael Thomas at 5. Oh, that's, that's the only one we got. And OBJ. And Odell. You're right. Okay. At number 8, uh, I'm going with a guy that 
may not be the top wide receiver on his own team. But his quarterback loves targeting him. He loves targeting him way too much, and that is Mike Evans uh, catching passes from Jameis Winston. No Ryan Fitzpatrick terrorism this year. I know last year Fitzpatrick tried to throw the ball to everybody but Mike Evans when he was in the game. But this year it's Winston and Winston only, so Evans is going to absolutely feast there. Uh, certainly I do like Chris Godwin there as well, and a lot of hype is surrounding him. Uh, his ADP is shooting up the ranks right now, but he's still not going to be that big of a factor that Evans isn't a factor. At number nine, I'm going to go with the, when healthy, the best point-per-reception wide receiver in football, Keenan Allen of the San Diego Chargers. He is actually one of the last wide receivers I feel really comfortable taking as a wide receiver one. Now, when we get into the season, and we'll talk about this in the Scott Fishbowl too, I tend to pass on wide receivers early, but if I do and I still want to land a solid PPR wide receiver in that third round range, it might be Keenan Allen. And at number 10, uh, making the jump. He was a great talent with the incompetent Derek Carr throwing him the ball. He only got better once he got a real quarterback in Dak Prescott. Number 10 this year is going to be Amari Cooper of Dallas. Okay. I have some bad news for you. What's that? The under hit. Ah. All right. I'm going to start at number 10 and work my way up to eight. How's that? Go for it. I have Antonio Brown at number 10. And that's because I do believe at the end of the day, he will be there for week one. And because of egos, Mayock and Gruden, they will force feed him the ball. My biggest concern and why he's at 10 and not at five or better is Carr. Okay. But there's some risk there. So that's why I don't have him at eight. That's why he barely made my top 10. I thought about putting Keenan Allen above him. I thought about putting T.Y. Hilton above him. T.Y., I probably would have had in the top 10 had we known luck is going to be 100% ready to go. And Keenan definitely would have made it if it was not for who I had at eight because um, I just didn't have any more room. At nine, I had Evans. So I had him one spot lower than you. I, like you, love him. I believe I drafted him in the Scott Fish Bowl at the 2-3 turn. We'll check on that in a little bit. Um, my biggest concern with Evans is, yeah, I'm looking at Chris Godwin and everybody and their mother and me too included expects a breakout this year. Um, I also love O.J. Howard. Um, so I wonder, you know, what kind of target share is Evans going to lose? But even with that said, I think he's a safe wide receiver one, especially where you're getting him in that second, third round area. At number eight, are you, hold, are you sitting down? Exactly. This guy is, I've got him higher probably by almost 10 spots than anybody else. And they're going to say, oh, the volume's not going to be there. Well, I'm not expecting him to catch 4,000 yards worth of balls. But I've got Tyler Lockett as my number eight wide receiver. You know, I actually have no problem with that. And now what I went ahead and did is I listed my 11 through 15, too, just to be interesting. At number 11, I had Antonio Brown. And like you said, he very well could come in with a chip on his shoulder and lead the league in receptions. Of course, we also saw him leave the game at halftime last year because his team was struggling against the Cincinnati Bengals' horrible defense. He just left the game. This guy could pout and sit out for the entire season over a freaking helmet. Uh, Adam Thielen, I've got at 12 right now. I have a strange feeling Stephon Diggs may pass him in the pecking order for Kirk Cousins this year, but you can't argue with the fact that he had double-digit targets in each of the first eight games last year. 
T.Y. Hilton, I've got at 13. Uh, he would be top 10 easily, like you said, if we knew Andrew Luck was going to play the full season. At this point, that is too big of an if for me. At 14, I've got Robert Woods. Now, again, I told everyone to look up Juju Smith-Schuster's numbers with Antonio Brown. Just look up the last year's stats for Robert Woods. They're a lot better than you think they are. Trust me. Look it up. It's ridiculous. He is so underrated. And he put together such a consistent, consistent season last year, despite sharing targets with so many people there in Los Angeles. And at 15, I also have Tyler Lockett. He has speed to burn. He's going to inherit the wide receiver one duties from Doug Baldwin. And everyone else in that offense is very vanilla. you got guys like David Moore. You've got the injured DK Metcalf. Uh, Will Disley, I believe, is coming back at tight end. It's just not a lot to work with other than Tyler Lockett. If he can stay on the field, he's going to produce a lot of a lot of good stats this year. Yep, I love him, and I know that's way earlier than what anybody's got him at. Um, we already talked about 11. I didn't go all the way out to 15, but I'll tell you, 11 was Keenan. Um, Allen, 12 was T.Y. Hilton. 13 is Amari Cooper for me. And my biggest concern with Cooper is the foot injury, the plantar fascia injury that he's dealing with. Um, that is a no joke for a guy that has to rely on cutting and, and running and speed. So um, that's just a small concern and why I have him outside of my top 10. Excellent. Well, how about tight end? Do you want to start off at tight end or do you want me to? Um, I'll let you start off and I'll tell you, it doesn't matter what number you pick, I'm going to take the under. Well, I, I could choose two because I think we're going to agree with the first two as it is. But, uh, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, I, I will put out a number of three once again. I like three as, as a good line. I'm Vegas gonna, would approve. I'm going to take the under again. Okay. Well, at number one, I've got a guy who's in a tier of his own. Borderline first-round draft pick in redraft formats. That's Travis Kelsey. I, I don't think anyone uh, in any format would argue with you if you made Travis Kelsey a pick at the swing in the first round. Uh, perhaps I've seen him go as high as pick number five. And in the Scott Fishbowl, which we'll talk about a little bit later, which is tight end premium, I saw Travis Kelsey go as high as two. Yep. At number two, I've got last year's breakout sensation, George Kittle. He's kind of in a second tier all to himself. He's going to get Jimmy Garoppolo back, which will certainly help his numbers. But on the same hand, He's also gaining three or four other quality receivers to split looks with. I don't think that's really going to matter because all those receivers, while they all are quality, none is elite. And that means that when Garoppolo uh, breaks it down, it gets down to brass tacks, it's going to be Kittle getting the ball where it matters. And at number three, I'm going to go with the veteran Zach Ertz. And, you know, everyone else is expecting a huge drop off from him. But he still remains Carson's binky, particularly in the in the red zone. Uh, yes, his numbers will not be as absurd as they were last year, but I still feel he's going to be slightly above those next couple that I think one of which may be on your list of top three. Okay, so we have one that we agree on in the top three, and that's Travis Kelsey. You're right; he is of a tier by himself. But I'll tell you that I hate Travis Kelsey because I don't like spending that much to get the tight end because I want to mine somebody a little bit later. I um, agree. I definitely – I'll give you my top five at this point now, okay? Yes. Um, I think we're going to agree on all five of these bodies. It's just the order. That's possible. And I'm going to work my way up from five back up to, K to Kelsey at one. I have Kittle at number five. I know that sounds like sacrilege. Um, 
But I'm not, I'm not targeting Kelsey, Kittle, or Ertz with where they're going in drafts. I expect Kittle to still be a very, 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 very good tight end this year. What I question is, what we saw last year was the apex, right? I, I, ha- I have to agree. He has to come back down to earth some. So with that said, how many you know 70-plus or 60-plus yard touchdowns is he going to score this year? So when I take that all into account, I just go, okay, he could still be the tight end number two, I guess, and his numbers are just a little bit less. But I think that because of that and a couple of other guys, I think, that can move up within the ranks, that's why I have him at five. I have Ertz at four. That's nothing to sneeze at. Ertz is a great talent. And, yes, he will still get work with Wentz. But I do have legitimate questions about what will Dallas Goddard do to his value? What will Deshaun Jackson do? Due to his value, because um, our team, well, well Jaja due to his value, yeah, um, you know, well, will Sanders due to his value because he can catch the ball too. So returning Darren Sproles, exactly. So <coughs> you know, with all that, I lower him to four. At three, I've got a guy who could very possibly lead his team in targets and catches this year, um, and should get out of the gates fast, and that's Evan Ingram. You don't have any Golden Tate. Sterling Shepard's got that injured finger to start the year. I mean, Saquon Barkley could possibly catch 75 to 100 balls this year also. I love Ingram with the upside you get from him with with regards to where he goes in drafts. Last year, if you remember, I was not on Ingram's train at all. I thought everybody was on him way too early. This year, I'm all about Ingram, where I can get him. At number two, I have O.J. Howard. I really expect to see Howard take a step up. You'll hear people say, but, you know, he never, the coach, you know, never used a tight end when he was in his other stops and it could hurt Howard's value. He's never had a tight end like Howard before. Um, So I'm targeting Ingram and Howard wherever I can after those big three guys are usually off the board. So that's my top five. We did hit all five of them, the same five for me. I really had a tough time debating between Zach Ertz and Evan Ingram at 3-4. I went with Ertz because he is the veteran and because he does have other weapons around him to keep defenses honest. True. Now, uh, if you look back at last year, Evan Ingram's numbers in games where Beckham didn't play, he was targeted nearly double-digit times in each of those games. Yep. Uh, certainly, uh, Sterling Shepard, it sounds like, will be ready for the start of the season, but Sterling Shepard's not a number one wide receiver. Uh, neither is uh, Golden Tate, for that matter, when he comes back in week five. So you're looking at a guy in, in Engram who's going to be the primary target outside of Saquon Barkley for at least the first four games there. Uh, I do have O.J. Howard at five. He's a very popular breakout candidate. Uh, he still has to face the fact that he's going to be the third option at best in the passing game for Tampa Bay, though. That's possible. Um, he could also be their number one option down in the red zone. Exactly. So, okay, so now go ahead and you want to run off your next five, the bottom five, get the top ten out of the way? I'm going to go from bottom to top like you did because that was kind of fun. Okay. At number ten for my team at tight end is a guy who had a breakout season last year, and he proceeded to move on to a new location, and that's Jared Cook. He won't be used nearly as much in New Orleans as he was in Oakland, but he will be targeted in the red zone. As we found out over the last couple of years, Breeze does like to throw to his tight ends in the red zone. That's where we've gotten guys like Ben Watson and Josh Hill who make valuable players, despite not catching a ton of passes. They do catch a lot of balls in the red zone, particularly for touchdowns. Number nine 
I've got Eric Ebron. Uh, and now you're going to say, well, didn't he have double-digit touchdowns last year? Well, yes, he did. Uh, and if your league is TD heavy, bump Ebron up a couple spots here. But we still have the issue with luck. There's still the presence of other tight ends in that offense. You've got Hilton. You've got the rookie Paris Campbell. Uh, you've got just other bodies that could possibly catch the ball. Marlon Mack is going to be used more in the passing games here. Naheem Hines, very, very talented backup running back, catches a lot of passes. And the reason why I bumped Ebron down to nine myself is because I bumped up to number eight, Austin Hooper of Atlanta. Uh, Dirk Cutter has made pro bowlers out of just bums like Mercedes Lewis and Austin Safarian Jenkins. Well, plus he's also done pretty good with guys like O.J. Howard and uh, some freak of nature called Tony Gonzalez, historically. So, you know what? I think Austin Hooper is going to be that much better than he was last year, and he was ready pretty good. So I've got him at eight. Number seven, I've got Vance McDonald. The team lost Jesse James, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. That is a lot of targets up for grabs. Now, I've mentioned already that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to eat a lot in this offense. Vance McDonald is the only other face in the huddle that Ben Roethlisberger is going to recognize. Yep. So that means that Vance McDonald is going to get peppered as well. At number six, I think six might be one where we match on here. I've got Hunter Henry. Uh, no Antonio Gates. No Tyrell Williams. If Henry stays healthy, he should make a great red zone threat for the Los Angeles Superchargers of Anaheim. Hey, I'm going to give you a star. You got the Los Angeles Chargers right for the first time this year, and it's the first time you said it. <laughs> Did not call them San Diego, so thank you for breaking that on us. No, no. I've been practicing that one all season. So. Yeah, I'll still screw it up probably. So I'm going to go from six down and tell you, yes, we agreed on Hunter Henry. I have him at number six. Um, I almost went um, with a Hunter Henry – and, oh, goodness, O.J. Howard, I think it was. O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, double dip in the Scott Fishbowl, but instead just went Howard and let Henry slide. He didn't make it back to me, but it was close. Um, at seven, we agree again. I got Vance McDonald, so we got our three out of the way. Um, and then at eight, I actually have Jared Cook. Um, I agree with you where he may not be as busy in Oakland, but I also say outside of Michael Thomas, who does Drew Brees have to throw the ball to outside of him and Alvin Kamara? Well, they are bringing back Traycon Smith. Uh, they still have Ted Ginn yeah. Jr. there. <laughs> yeah, it's nobody that makes they me They have a guy named Delvin Kamara. Yeah, well, that's what I said. Outside of Thomas and Kamara, uh, I think that Cook's easily going to be third in line for targets. So, uh, he should be, yes. At, you know, 8 to 10, I won't. It's it's neither here nor there. It's He's a top 10 tight end this year, and I think that he's a better value if you don't go for one of the early guys. Um, at number 9, I have Hooper. So I have him one spot lower than you do, um, and that's because – I think that Julio is going to get more of the red zone um, looks, him and Calvin Ridley, than Hooper will this year. So that's why I pushed him below Cook. And then at 10, I have somebody that most people do not have inside their top 10, possibly not their top 12. When I'm drafting a tight end this late, what I'm looking for is upside. And I don't mean Mark Andrews upside. I mean Jordan Reed, please stay healthy upside. I have Jordan Reed, I have Jordan Reed at number 10. Well, we talked a little bit about the fact that we like Trey Quinn this year. Uh, they've also got a couple other rookie receivers. I know Terry McLaren's getting a lot of uh, press this uh, preseason as well. Uh, I, I've got a lot of shares of Jordan Reed. Uh, probably an unhealthy obsession with having him on my roster, considering <laughs> the fact that he never stays healthy. Yeah, but you know what? He's uh, so almost, I have no problem with that. <laughs> he's almost free. He's basically free. In he really is. You're getting him in around 16 and 17. And think For about a guy it. who basically led his team in targets – 
last year. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's not far fetched to think that he could be a tight end, top three or top five tight end. It's not the ability's there, right? Exactly. It's the health that's the issue. So when you can get that kind of guy free with that kind of upside, sign me up every day. There's one other tight end that I love. Um, if you have deep enough rosters, and that's Dallas Goddard. He's going to have a role this year. If everything stays status quo, Ertz is healthy, Goddard's healthy, nobody else gets injured on that offense, you know, major of the major targets, he'll have tight end two value at best, right? Well, and so you, you mentioned earlier Mark Andrews. He's obviously gotten a lot of hype uh, based on his performance last year, kind of outplaying uh, fellow rookie tight end uh, Hayden Hurst there last year. I think that his hype has gotten too much. I, I think that realistically people are overpaying for him right now. I think he's going to have a bit of a drop-off. Guys who I do kind of like, though, uh, that just missed my top ten, uh, Kyle Rudolph, uh, still a favorite ca- pass catcher of uh, of Mr. Cousins here in Minnesota. They did draft Irv Smith, but they're actually going to be playing both of them simultaneous on the field. Irv Smith is for all intents and purposes, going to be the wide receiver three for the Vikings this year. We see a lot of 12 personnel on the field. Uh, I really like, uh, and he's going underdrafted this year right now, is David Nyoku uh, with Cleveland. He's going to be the third option, perhaps even the fourth option in the passing game. But as I mentioned earlier, I think Baker Mayfield's going to approach 40 touchdown passes this year. That totally puts Nyoku in play, particularly at a 14th or 15th round draft spot, which is where it's going. Uh, and the sleeper tight end that I am drafting in pretty much every league, if for no other reason than to have him as my backup tight end. Uh, so if he does develop like I think he can, I can trade my higher-end tight end for more uh, equity later in the season, is Darren Waller. I'm taking the shot that he assumes that Jared Cook role in Oakland and uh, a great opportunity to break out. If you subscribe to a zero tight end strategy, He's definitely a guy I recommend going after. Okay, so what I was going to say about Goddard, well, I don't have him ranked in my top 15. He is somebody I'm targeting on deep benches. If something happens to Ertz, he's kind of like a league winner. I mean, you'll get Ertz light if Ertz goes down. Um, We talk about handcuffing quarterbacks, handcuffing running backs, handcuffing wide receivers. This might be the first true case of needing to handcuff a tight end. Yeah. So just outside of my top 10, I had Mark Andrews at 11, but I agree with you. I'm not paying the equity it costs to get him now. He's not a value. Um, I have Eric Ebron at 12, and that's because of I'm concerned with some regression on the touchdowns. I'm concerned with Andrew Luck's health. I'm concerned with Jack Doyle coming back healthy. I'm concerned with having Mo Alley-Cox and everything else there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he fell at the top 12. And then at 13, I've got a vet that I think could um, surprise, and his quarterback's going to be under some pressure to perform, so why not use your safety blanket? And that's Delaney Walker. Um, and then I've got Njoku. And then I, don't, I didn't go 15. I just wrote those names down. I will say one guy that I'll be keeping an eye on for right before he comes back from his suspension is Chris Herndon. Yeah, Herndon's going to miss a couple games to start the season, and uh, he certainly uh, started to break out last year. Uh, that offense, uh, Darnold's got a year under the belt now. I think he's going to be much more comfortable. They've obviously added Le'Veon Bell to the mix, so Bell could take away some of those short underneath passes that Herndon was seeing more targets last year from. And they're also getting back uh, Quincy Anunwa, who was also a bit of a PPR underneath type receiver who missed part of last season due to injury. So uh, we could see a slight regression from Herndon, but I would not be surprised 
if he does produce at least equivalent to what he did last year, which makes him a great bargain yep. based on where he's going because of the suspension. Okay. Any little notes you want to add on wide receiver and tight end? Um, no, I think that summed it up pretty good. Again, don't, uh, don't overpay for the hype. Uh, right now, again, like we talked a little bit about the Tampa Bay situation. Uh, we both love Chris Godwin. The hype surrounding Chris Godwin is absolutely absurd right yes. now. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's so much depth at wide receiver, and we'll get into a little bit here in the Scott Fishbowl discussion. Um, I actually, I've been known to wait till round seven to get my first wide receiver this year, just because I think there's so much depth available. There is. Um, so let me ask, last year we both drafted from the one spot, if I'm correct, right? That is correct. So this year I got lucky and got the one spot again. What did you draft from? Oh, I, I took a tumble down to number 11. Okay, well then good. We can give two different perspectives on the draft. Um, I started out with, you know, I really was debating Zeke at one. Remember, we draft early, so there was no holdout at this point. Um, but I don't think you can go wrong at one with Barkley, McCaffrey, Zeke, or Kamara, right? It's kind of like chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry all together. You, you get your choice. You can't go wrong. I went with Barkley in this league. I got a little bit of, you know, uh, I kind of wish I would have maybe gone with McCaffrey or, or Kamara when I worry about what's going to happen with Eli and Daniel Jones and stuff like that. But Barkley's still a stud. I think he has no problem in seeing, you know, top four upside at, at a minimum this year, even if he falters some. Yeah, I think if I was in the number one seat this year, I probably would have taken Christian McCaffrey just because of the uh, point per reception value uh, in this type of format in particular. Um, even if he regresses slightly, I mean, obviously they have DJ Moore there. Um, I, I still feel like he's going to be the yeah. top point getter at the position this year. Well, I made up for that amends when I had the flex draft, which we'll talk about next week. Um, where I also had the first overall pick. I'm living life good, I guess. Um, and I did, took C I did take CMC number one in that league. But So I went with, of course, one of the top running backs. What did you do at 11? 11-12. Let's talk about what you did at the 1-2 swing. Well, let me first preface this by again saying that this league here is a super flex league, two quarterback start. It also is a tight end premium league. So uh, tight ends were taken irrationally high compared to what might be the case in your redraft league formats or in your auctions that you're hosting over the next couple weeks here. Uh, I got the 11 pick and I was what I consider very fortunate to find that Le'Veon Bell slid to me at 11. Now I said prior to the draft that if everything were to fall into place and Le'Veon Bell was available for me at 11, I was going to take Le'Veon Bell at 11, and if things were really crazy and somehow Todd Gurley fell to me at 2-2, I would take Todd Gurley at 2-2. Well, I took Le'Veon Bell at 11. Unfortunately, Todd Gurley went at 112 then to some, someone else who was willing to take that risk. Uh, but I, I was very happy to see a very solid running back, too, and Joe Mixon fall to me at 2-2. Uh, pairing him up with... Uh, Bell pretty much locked in my top two running backs for the entire season. So in my draft, you could have had Bell in the first round and Gurley in the second. Gurley went 2-2 in my draft. Um, Bell went actually 2-3, so you could have gotten both of them in my draft. Um, in my first round, I had Kelsey go 5 overall. Kittle went 12th, and then that person doubled up and went Ertz. So that person started off with tight end, tight end. 
When it got back to me, I had Nick Chubb coming my way. Um, and unfortunately, he went one pick in front of me, which forced me to take Damian Williams. Um, and I love Mike Evans. I know that I have him at eight or nine, I think it was, nine. And I think I could have waited, but I didn't want to. I think that Evans has as much upside as anybody as a safe wide receiver one. So I did running back, running back, and then Evans as my wide receiver one in round three. How'd you attack three, four? Well, uh, before I go too far into this, uh, you mentioned Kelsey going at five in yours. Kelsey went six in ours. Uh, Zach Ertz went 201, and George Kittle went at 203. So all three of those guys went within the top uh, 15 picks. Yep. But the odd strategy that came into play in this league, being that it was super flex. Now, we talk a little bit about how we always like to put off on quarterbacks. Well, one of our competitors, uh, Brandon Marianne Lee from TheAthletic.com, she took Patrick Mahomes at 109 and then turned around and took Deshaun Watson at 204, really throwing the other owners into a mild kerfluffle uh, over wow. <laughs> quarterbacks down the line here. So uh, at three, uh, I was uh, anxiously awaiting for my turn to come again, and I saw several other quarterbacks uh, go in that range there. Uh, I decided to take my first quarterback at 311, and that was Carson Wentz of Philadelphia. Uh, I also kind of wanted to get in before it got too deep of a run at quarterback. There were a lot of players on the board I still liked at that point. At 4-2, uh, I went against my plan. I was going to wait on wide receiver as long as I could. But at this point, a lot of the guys I really liked were gone. So I took Amari Cooper at 4-2. Okay. So just for what it's worth, um, Patrick Mahomes went 110 in my draft. And then the next quarterback didn't go off the board until 3.4. And there was a four-quarterback run. Then there was a running back wide receiver, two more run, two more quarterbacks. So the same draft spot took a quarterback like you did, but they took Ryan. Um, Wentz went off the board at 4.11, believe it or not. Um, so what I did was at 4, I actually attacked tight end, and I nabbed O.J. Howard. So he was the fourth tight end off the board, my number two tight end, as you already know. And then I grabbed a value. I think he's a value um, still, and I think he's being undervalued. And that's Devontae Freeman. I took a third running back. Um, I passed up, like I said, Evan Ingram, who I could have had. He went one pick after that. Um, I passed up on quarterback, which there had been, let's see, four, six, seven. I think there was like nine or ten off the board at that point. I, I have no problem with either of those. Uh, you mentioned O.J. Howard. I certainly – Kind of had him targeted myself. I, I thought maybe he might slide the five. Uh, tight end premium kicked in, though. Yep. He ended up going at 406. Uh, two picks before, rookie quarterback Kyler Murray went at 408. So that tells you a little bit about how far the uh, quarterbacks were coming off the board super fast here in the Wario division. Uh, and uh, so we slid down to the end of five. Uh, at that point, I wanted to secure myself a running back three. Uh, obviously now there's some question marks surrounding this particular guy and that's Kenyon Drake, uh, issues with an injury right now. Plus there's, uh, the presence of Kalen Balaj, who seems to, for whatever reason is getting, uh, running back one looks for Miami this preseason. I still think it's Drake's job to lose, but he's doing everything right now to lose the job. So I'm kind of hoping he holds on to it. Again, this draft was done back at the the first week in June, right? I think so, yes. Uh, June, actually, June, June, let me think. Hold on. It was 
Actually, it was the day I got back. It was actually July 7th or 8th, I think. Early now, July. Here's something I'm going to give a piece of advice to people drafting near the swing. I'm not saying on the swing, but near the swing. If you're picking 11 out of 12 teams or 9 out of 10, keep track of who is on the roster yep. of the player at the swing. Because at this point, at, at pick 511, I was able to take Kenyon Drake because I knew that the person at the swing had already taken their tight end. And I didn't think even in this format he was going to take a second tight end this early, which allowed me to nab Evan Ingram at 602 coming back. Yep, you got good value on Ingram. Um, so then I guess coming back to me now, I got a six seven turn. I've got three running backs, a wide receiver, and a tight end. No quarterbacks. I'm on I'm on brand, right? What you probably would what people would probably be shocked to know is that the pick in front of me at six eleven was quarterback eighteen off the board in Josh Allen. Okay? Eighteen quarterbacks in the first fifty nine picks. I went I double dipped at this point and I took Jimmy Garoppolo and Phillip Rivers. Um, I think both those guys are safe, sound, solid value. Garoppolo's being undervalued. Um, when last year he was, what, top five, six quarterback being drafted? Had an yep. injury, of course, and now all of a sudden he's chopped liver. Rivers doesn't give you much from a running game standpoint, but it, the guy's there week in, week out, and puts up safe, solid production. And you know that's all I need from my quarterback. So that's where I went, and I hit the quarterback. So I've got two quarterbacks, a tight end, one wide receiver, and three running backs. Well, I got to deploy my same strategy here at the 7-8 range. At 7-11, I knew I needed to get another receiver locked in. There was really nothing left at wide receiver except for the guy I chose. That's Elshon Jeffrey. It does give me the hookup with Carson Wentz, which I kind of like uh, from my perspective of I'm going to be starting both of them most weeks, so I'll get their combined points each week. But again, I looked at the swing, and the swing player already had two quarterbacks on her team. So what that allowed me to do is – take Jeffrey first, and then come back around at 802, where I also got Phillip Rivers. Oh, so you got him later than I did. I didn't feel I could risk waiting to come back to 8-9. I know what can happen at quarterback in these drafts. He was, he was the last guy among the quarterbacks I really felt comfortable taking. So for what it's worth, Jeffrey went at at pick 8-9. Yeah, he went at 7-8 in my draft. So you, you got him just a few picks later. Um, so seems to be good value there for him. At eight and nine, I went wide receiver. Um, actually, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, we'll jump four. We'll jump four rounds here. How's that? I went with Robbie Anderson and Mike Williams in eight and nine. Love Mike Williams this year, especially with Melvin Gordon holding out. Even though I think Gordon gets back into camp at some point and plays and doesn't miss games. Anderson, I love with the exception of the end of year schedule that he has. Uh, but I think him and Darnold are going to do nice things this year. I gambled on James Washington instead of Dante Moncrief. That was a bad call. Um, but Washington still could wind up getting some looks in that offense. And then at 11, I um, took one of my favorite and everybody's favorite sleepers this year to be a breakout candidate in Curtis Samuel as wide receiver 42. So I was kind of thinking along the same path as you. Uh, two of the wide receivers that were left on the board that I liked were Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Uh, coming close to me at pick 9-11. Both of them went just a few picks before me, so I kind of started scraping the barrel to find a couple more wide receivers. Now, in a redraft format, e even something unlike the Scott Fishbowl, 
I will oftentimes just load up on receivers at this point. I've already secured my quarterback and or quarterbacks. I've got myself a top five tight end. I've got myself two or three top-notch running backs I can count on week in and week out. Then I'll just go and go like five or six wide receivers in a row. And that strategy would have been perfect if the guys I wanted slid to me. Uh, Fortunately, there was one guy left that I felt comfortable going with despite his injury history. That was Will Fuller. So I took him at 9-11. Then on the reach around to the next round, I got lucky. There was a bit of news that broke the morning, I think it was a Saturday morning, uh, about the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim's running back, Melvin Gordon, possibly holding out for the season. Well, lo and behold, it was my pick. And sitting on the board still available was Austin Eckler. So instead of taking another receiver at this point, I just took Austin Eckler. That's not a bad pick at all. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? Yep. And and let me say this. The difference between Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson should also be dependent on if you're a Melvin Gordon owner. Um, I think if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, then you definitely want to get Justin Jackson, right? Yes. Because even if Gordon plays, Eckler's going to have a role, but Jackson has a role if Gordon's out. If he, when Gordon comes back, then he's expendable more than likely. You don't know how much of a role Eckler and Jackson are going to have in split, but I just think that it's more important because then you can wait, right? Because Jackson's cheaper than Eckler. So that's why I say if you own Gordon, you still, you, you may have got him at a discount, but, if he lose if he loses time, it's never a good enough discount. So I'd rather save some of that discount and get the cheaper of the two running backs. So if I own Gordon, I'll target Jackson. If I don't own, own Gordon, then I have no problem targeting Eckler at a different part in the draft. Well, the nice thing with Eckler, even in the last year's uh, numbers, is that he was a playable flex player, even on weeks when Gordon was out there. And the weeks that Gordon missed, uh, while Eckler had the job, he was actually, uh, we're, we're talking top seven, top eight running back in the league. Right. So now at 12, um, this is when I start to basically address backups and handcuffs and stuff. So I nabbed Ito Smith um, to back up Devontae Foreman. Um, may not be a good, a good move if Brian Hill takes the backup job. Um, and at 13, I nabbed the guy I told you I thought had great upside, Jordan Reed, as tight end 21. I mean, even in tight end premium, that's just fantastic value. Um, then I went with Matt Breida as a backup running back because I think that Jarek is the odd guy out and he's dealing with an injury right now already. So I think Breida has some value. And then I went back to the tight end position, even though he was already suspended, I nabbed Chris Herndon. Um, and I'll just sit on him and wait. Well, so I cut myself off at 11 there. Just because I thought you might mention Jordan Reed, I thought I remember you mentioning taking him. Well, I took Jordan Reed at pick 11 for me, which is 11-11. And uh, what's interesting is he went after the likes the guys of Chris Herndon. He went after Greg Olson. He went after Noah Fant. What number was <laughs> What tight end was he? Do you know? I don't know the exact tight end number. It had to have been probably 24 or 25. Okay. So your, your, your league drafted a lot more tight ends earlier then. Um, yep. So I, I took him at 11-11, and for me, I thought that was good value. Uh, realistically, I can start both him and Ingram most weeks, especially since I didn't go heavy at receiver like I wanted to. Right. Uh, then on the uh, turnaround there at 12:02, I decided to get my third quarterback. I took Eli Manning 
Uh, I figured he'd at least have some startability uh, as a bi-week replacement if Daniel Jones didn't take the job away from him to start the year. Uh, going down a couple more picks here for me at 13-11. I got another piece of lucky news. Uh, this one I didn't hear about until a month later, though. That is Duke Johnson being traded from Cleveland to yeah. Houston. I took Duke Johnson before he was traded on hope that he would be traded. And now I've got myself a running back five in Duke Johnson, who has a chance to produce some pretty solid PPR numbers. Absolutely. And, and I got at pick 1402, this is a sin. This is absolutely a sin that this player was available for me. As I said, I, I really punted wide receiver a lot more than I should have this year. I got Emmanuel Sanders at 1402. Tell me how I managed to pull that one off. <laughs> yeah, he went, um, let's see. He went at pick 12 in round 13 for us. Wide receiver, 51. Everyone was so scared about that injury, apparently. Well, lo and behold, he's going to play week one. (laughs) Yes, he is. Um, Yeah, he'll be good value for people that took the the plunge on him. So the rest of my draft, I'll run it real quick now. I'll let you finish yours up. Pretty uneventful. Like I said, mostly handcuffs and stuff like that, some posturing. Um, I took Wayne Gallman in the 16th and 17th turn. Again, that's one of the reasons I like Saquon. You don't really have to worry about overpaying to get his handcuff if you really want to get one because there really isn't a handcuff for him. But in this format, I figured I'd spend the pick on him. Excuse me. And then I got TJ Yeldon. He's probably going to be one of my first cuts, honestly, if I could see somebody else to add. Added Josh Doxson in case he finally gets it. Um, And then here's where I went crazy. Three quarterbacks in my last four picks. I went with Nick Mullins and Tyrod Taylor to back up my first two quarterbacks because all the three, all the startable quarterbacks were already gone at this point, including like Dwayne Haskins. And then I added Philip Dorsett, but now with Josh Gordon back, guess what? Dorsett's expendable for me. And I finished the draft with one of my favorite backups in the draft, um, but unfortunately he got hurt. So I'll be cutting him and that's Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, it's too bad about Sudfeld, although I think Philadelphia Eagles made a really smart move by signing the uh, grizzled veteran Josh McCown this past week. I think that uh, it it sounds like Sudfeld might only miss a couple weeks, so probably a lot better outcome than what was expected when they saw the injury. Uh, Either way, McCown will be a nice safety valve there because we all know that I mean, none of Wentz's injuries have been chronic, but he has missed time each of his first couple seasons because of injury. So, yep. Uh, for me, round 15, I took probably the boringest pick I've ever made, uh, Oakland receiver Tyrell Williams. I figured they paid a lot of money to him, so hopefully they'll actually use him, unlike San Diego, uh, L.A. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> everyone drink, right? Yeah. Uh, at 16.02, I took Mixon's insurance policy, Giovanni Bernard. I was a little surprised he lasted that long because – Kind of like uh, guys like Duke Johnson and Austin Eckler. Still had there value. were games last week where Bernard was playable as a flex play just based on his usage in the passing game. Yep, and he'll, he'll have value this year. Uh, scrolling down to pick 17, I went with Buffalo's number one wide receiver, Zay Jones. Again, waited on wide receiver, had to build some depth there. Uh, 18.02, uh, I took a chance on Cameron Brait for Tampa Bay. I knew his tight end format. Uh, I figured that even 
with O.J. Howard projected to do better this year. Winston obviously targeted Braid a lot. He had a lot of touchdowns the last couple of years. If nothing else, he's insurance when O.J. Howard does get hurt, if he does. Uh, scrolling down to the last couple picks, uh, I took Case Keenum in the 19th round as my fourth quarterback, mainly to screw with the player two picks after me who had only one quarterback at that point. <laughs> and, yep. uh, at pick 20, I took uh, Quincy Anunwa. I talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, kind of a points-per-reception guy. Missed a lot of last season due to injury. Jets offense should be a lot better this year. Uh, pick 21, I took Jacksonville's backup, Alfred Blue, uh, who's dinged up right now, too. But it sounds like he's going to be battling Ryquell Armstead to be the primary backup to the injury-prone Leonard Fournette. And at 22.02, I took uh, my final pick, Willie Sneed of Baltimore. Okay. So to finish it up, go ahead and run down what your team is from quarterback down. Oh, that means I have to actually open up another page here. Give me a second. Okay, then I'll run, <laughs> I'll run mine down while you do that. Um, at quarterback, I've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Phillip Rivers anchoring it, and I backed them up with their backups and Nick Mullins and Tyrod Taylor. As far as I said, Nate Sudfeld probably will be cutting bait with him. Maybe I'll look to add Jacoby Brissett or something. Running backs, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Freeman, Damian Williams, that's a good one, two, three punch, I think. And then we've got Matt Breida, and then a couple backups in Ito Smith, Wayne Gallman, and TJ Yeldon. At wide receiver, I've got, let's see, uh, Mike Evans, Mike Williams, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. So they're my top four. And then I've got work to do with Doxon, Dorsett, and James Washington. At tight end, three of them, Jordan Reed, O.J. Howard, and Chris Herndon. Well, I like your wide receivers better than mine, at least. Uh, at quarterback, I said I've got four quarterbacks. Number one quarterback being Carson Wentz. Uh, number two, Phillip Rivers. They'll be starting most weeks. I've got Eli Manning as long as he's starting there. And I've got Case Keenum as long as he's starting there, both as bench players. Unfortunately, both Rivers and Wentz have late bye weeks. So in all likelihood, Manning and Keenum will be benched by the time that their buys come up. So I'll probably have to pick up someone anyways. At running back, my top two running backs uh, for most weeks are going to be Bell and Mixon. I said I got lucky, kind of lucked into both Austin Eckler and Duke Johnson. At Kenyon Drake, who I got unlucky with, but hopefully he'll turn things around and be uh, the number one guy there. And I, and I had two insurance policies, Alfred Blue and Giovanni Bernard. Wide receiver, it's pretty ugly. My starting threesome each week is going to be Amari Cooper, Elshon Jeffrey, and Emmanuel Sanders. Behind that, I've got... Decent veterans in Wolf Fuller uh, and Quincy Anunwa, and I've got a couple of, of lottery tickets with Zay Jones and Tyrell Williams, uh, along with Willie Sneed, who's probably going to be the first guy cut off my team. At tight end, uh, most weeks I'll start two tight ends, uh, leave one of those wide receivers on the bench. I've got Reed and Engram. As long as Reed's healthy, uh, they'll both be starting for me both weeks. And Cameron Brait, uh, it may be on the waiver wire if he doesn't uh, show up anymore this preseason. Gotcha. So I don't know about you. Somebody tweeted I was included in it. Um, I know last year, I think I, you and I were in like the 700s where we ranked pre, you know, post-draft. People, uh -huh. Somebody puts it together based on draft value. And evidently this year, I'm 382. I don't know how they do it completely. Um, there are guys I like. I go get them. I'm sure that drafting you know, three quarterbacks in the last four rounds probably hurt me quite a bit. Um, but I thought that there was a good reason for doing that. I was just trying to, you know, take away some of the risk and kind of treat it like insurance is what it is. 
um, made the playoffs last year. Hopefully we can make the playoffs and make a deep run this year. I also made the playoffs last year. I don't remember what my ranking was, but I was pretty close to you. Uh, an interesting thing this year, the uh, Wario division, I believe I was ranked right around 150 this year. Okay. But there are four teams in my division that ranked in the top 200. Gotcha. Well, I will say this. My division, the Qbert division, gets to say, our claim to fame is, we were the first draft done. <laughs> yes, we were. Hurried up to do nothing. Okay, so with that, um, make sure you're following Harley on Twitter, at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me, at Steve Gallo NFL. Next week, make sure you tune in. We're going to give you our top tens at wide receiver and running back. And we're going to talk a little bit of the flex draft that I participated in in New York City. That's the Fantasy League of Experts. Um, a lot of good guys, a lot of tough guys in that draft. So hopefully you can glean something from that also. And as we like to say, um, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>